Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. You are in for a real treat. I know I am as well. I have the honor of sitting down today with Dr. Elia Gorgoris. He is a happiness and corporate wellness expert. He is the founder and CEO of the Happiness Center, number one best-selling author of Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness and co-author of Seven Keys to Navigating a Crisis. In addition to all that he represents professionally, he's just an amazing human being, really putting himself in a position to be of service to as many people as he can and operating from a place of pure service and generosity. In other words, our kind of people. Welcome, Dr. Elia. Thank you, Berta. I'm just such a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that you're here. This is a big, a big treat for me, and I really appreciate you making the time. I know that you are away, <laughs> but uh, that's the good thing about the life that you've created for yourself, that you can really work and enjoy from anywhere. How are well, things? I'm trying anyway. I'm in, I'm in <laughs> Greece, so I'm enjoying the water because that's my personal therapy. That's part of my self-care, actually. That's yes. part of the happiness part. Yes. But also working at the same time. So business and pleasure combination. Absolutely. That's the beauty of, of doing what we love, right? Yes. I love that. So how are things? Things are good. I mean, uh, there are lots of opportunities to spread light and love and kindness and the world needs it now more than ever, Berta. I mean, right now we need it and we need it now, not like six months from now or, or whenever I'm done doing my own thing. We got to help people now. Absolutely. That's my message to everybody. Absolutely. And I love, Dr. Elia, that your motto is happiness is a choice. Where did that come from? You know, great Greek philosopher Aristotle 2,500 years ago said that happiness is basically the whole meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. What a statement. So to me, happiness is something that uh, is primary in our lives, but it does take work. It is a choice, but it takes work. And a lot of times people don't know how to do it. And you know, my uh, philosophy is, I spent the first half of my career as a clinical psychologist in private practice and the second half in the corporate world. And I've tried and I've seen thousands of people, not so this is an anecdotal five or 10 people got better. I'm talking about thousands and tens of thousands of people who got better because they did these things consistently. So it's not like, okay, I want to get in shape. I'm going to go and walk 10 miles a day and I'm not going to walk for another month. Okay. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. So it's creating happiness habits on a daily basis, if at all possible. And, uh, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, so I think we need to address all four of those areas to be uh, successful. But to me, happiness is success. Um, mm. And there's a story behind that statement. I was working with the CEO of a company. Um, who came, his life was a mess. He comes in. This was for personal coaching, not professional. Professionally, he was doing great. Mm. But his life was a disaster. Anyway, he came in one day. He had closed a big deal, seven numbers, and he was on top of the world. And he says to me, success is happiness. And I, and I paused for a while. I didn't want to burst his bubble because, you know, he was obviously, but I'm like, let's call him John. That wasn't his real name. Right. I'm like, John, I think you got that backwards. I said, happiness is success <laughs> because, no, no, because you're on your third divorce right now. You have kids from the first couple of years that don't even talk to you. I don't care how many millions you just closed today. Your relationships is what matter the most. Right. And he was kind of shocked at first. I said, I really want you to think about that. Don't take my word for it. Are you, this is good that you closed this big deal today. And I know that you feel successful and you're on top of the world, but in two or three days, your kids are still not going to be talking to you. Like you still need to fix your personal relationships and find some happiness and, and uh, find some balance in your life and so on. Now, this has a happy ending to his story. He worked really hard. He really wanted to find, he didn't know how to do it. Basically. Mm -hmm. he, he just didn't know how it was. He's not a bad person. He just didn't know how to do it. So he was a workaholic very successful, but neglected the most important relationships in his life. Wow. Absolutely. And that, that, that lack of balance, but I love what you said, Dr. Ely, and it, and it really is because I think a lot of times people define success where they think success is, what does that account look like? What's sitting in our driveway? How big is our house? And they're looking at that, that monetary. And sometimes you're right. People have 
all the money in the world, but their relationships suck. And, and sometimes people have great, it's just, it's just creating that balance. So I, I really love that you said that because especially now, and you, you touched on it a little bit earlier about the importance of right now, the importance of right now of, of shining a light and, and being of service more than ever. And I know that that's just part of your DNA. So I read uh, the seven keys to navigating a crisis. Okay. And I just fell in love with the book, ordered a bunch of copies, started handing them out like I do. I'm recommending it to everyone that I know. But can you tell me why you wrote this book? Tell us a little backstory. (laughs) So uh, the backstory and a real story too. On March 15th of 2020, just as the pandemic was taking off, I had a very real prompting. Like call it the spirit, call it your intuition, that uh, your inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it. And basically said, Ilya, you need to write a book about the pandemic and help people. And you got to get out in 45 days. Now, mind you, <laughs> like not next November, not in 2021. No. People need it now. Now, mind you, my first book, you know, the seven past last thing happened is that hit mm. number one. It took me three years to write it. Three years. <laughs> I'm like, 45 days. Are you kidding me? Like, there's no, who gets a book out in 45 days? That's stupid, basically. But I, but I listened to it and I called my best friend, Coach Khan. Apostolopoulos, you know, my brother, best friend, and so on. And I'm like, brother, I'm going to start writing a book tomorrow. I need your help. Are you in or are you out? And he didn't hesitate a bit. And he said, I'm in. And then for the next 45 days, I mean, we busted our butts, honestly. We did nothing else but breathe, eat, sleep, Mm -hmm. edit, write, inspire, uh, help one another. And May 1st, we got the ebook out. And I think maybe May 10th, we got the the paperback out. And ever since then, it's been insanity. Like yeah. insanity, like it's crazy, crazy. But, I, but that's the backstory to the book. Yeah, but but I love that 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 inclination, Dr. Ely, and I know we had a conversation, and 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 I was so blessed by our conversation. That inclination to number one, be aware and and be able to listen to those those messages, whether they're intuition or higher power, and and number two, that 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 spirit of, of obedience. Listen, this really is something that is necessary right now and just getting to work and doing what has to be done. I I love that phrase spirit of obedience. You know where that comes from? So I've heard that voice throughout my entire life. Every time that I've listened to it and acted upon it, it's always worked out. That's an absolute. Mm -hmm. Every time I, I heard the voice and ignored it, I've always paid the price. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, I'm getting, as I'm getting older, I'm like, I don't ask why. When I was younger, I was a very curious human being. I always wanted to know why, why should I do that? I don't ask why anymore. I just do it because the why you find out the why later on in life, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you don't find that it still works out. So I just learned to get to work. That's it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I, and I, again, it's that even, even for, for coach Khan, as you were describing his, and, and, and obviously I, I know the relationship uh, that you have is, is a very close bond. You think the same, you, you really just are on the same page with a lot of things, but that the, the importance of those relationships that people believe enough in us that when we make an invitation like that, they're like, whatever it is, I'm in, it's good. Right. I'm in, we're good to go. So, you know what's interesting? Initially, we wrote it to help as many people as we could. We, mm-hmm. you know, it's individuals help people. It's a practical guide to emotionally, yes. you know, support mm-hmm. uh, people going through pandemic or other crises too. Because we're not facing just one crisis. This no. is the thing, uh, and and that's why people are so overwhelmed. We have obviously COVID. Mm-hmm. We have the financial and economic crisis as a result of it of the yes. economy shutting down you know, 40 million unemployed in the United States, hundreds of million across the world mm-hmm. and billions financially insecure. Even if they have a job or they're underemployed or part-time now, as a result of that, they don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. Yeah. So that's causing huge stress. Then you add the mental health crisis, which I'm a huge, you know, proponent of that. We have to deal with this. Have you have stress, anxiety, and depression up this was the statistics when we finished writing the book, 800%. <gasps> wow. eight, not 80%, not eight, 800 and, and rising. Yeah. And by the way, these are people that didn't have pre-existing conditions. These were not people that already had depression, anxiety, and stress. These are new people as a result of the pandemic. So suicide hotline, the calls are at an all-time high. Wow. Drug and alcohol abuse, all-time high. 
people are because they're trying to escape from this loneliness from uncertainty and so on mm -hmm. so that's crisis number three then you throw into that the social and racial strife and mm -hmm. you know what's happening in the streets and the, the upheaval okay human beings are pretty resilient they can handle one or two crises. we've been through crises before right. in our lives right they can't handle four at the same time yeah. with no end in sight like if, if, if Dr. Fauci came on the air, you know, for those who are not in the United States, he's like the, he's the most trustworthy doctor and so on. And mm -hmm. he said, listen, this is going to continue until October 31st, but then it's over for good. Right. You and I would be like, man, we got to, we're in the six months. We've got two and a half more months to go. It's so tough, but we can do it as long as there's a deadline. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we don't have a deadline here. That's the problem. We don't know when this is going to end. It keeps getting worse. Yes. Yes. So, so that's just destroying people. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. There's a lot of hopelessness out there and depression wow. and sadness and just overall stress, loneliness. That's yeah. another one. Yeah. Um, you know, the social distancing, which I don't really like the term. I don't I either. Think it's, yeah. It's actually anti -social, physical. Antisocial. Anti <laughs> no, there's physical distancing, which is right. Right. But we need to be connected to people now more than ever, not the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I love that you said that, uh, Dr. Elia, because I know that, that, that in the book, uh, after every chapter, there's sort of a, a call to action. There's, yes. uh, you know, things that you should ponder based on what the chapter was about. And, and I love that you brought that invitation, not just here, read this book, but there are actual steps that you can take, especially as you're describing in a time where there's just so much uncertainty. And I think that's, that's probably and you might agree that it's it's causing uh, all this this fear and and i know somewhere in the book i read about the importance of staying away from the news <laughs> you know because we're we're bombarding and some people have it on all day and it's just there's it's impossible to sort of see the light where the light is if you're just completely focused on that so you talk about a concept in in the book dr elia that i'm very familiar with and I and I I'm a firm believer and I preach about it how fear is the opposite of faith so you describe it as you know being in faith camp versus being in fear camp now given what we're navigating through right now how important is it that we not only understand the difference but be intentional about doing something about it great first of all great comments and, and wonderful question there's a big difference between danger and fear we have to differentiate those two mm -hmm. if somebody coughs in our faces berta you and i we're in danger that's real that's a fact that's not a political right. statement that's just a medical scientific statement exactly. that's danger fear on the other hand is not your friend fear is debilitating fear is paralyzing and and mostly fear keeps us isolated it brings up the worst in us honestly mm -hmm. i don't want to make decisions either personal or professional based on fear because those decisions are not going to be right for me that's true for companies as it is for individuals mm -hmm. so the fear of the faith camp you know what's interesting there are four personality types in, when dealing with uh, any kind of crisis including COVID. and this plays into the fear i'll explain why i, I want to share this with you sure please the the first personality type is what we call the victim Mm -hmm. And the victim, of course, is why is this happening to me? <laughs> you know, poor me, baby. It's all poor me, poor yeah. me. And of course, you get depressed and sad. Why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. The second one we like to call the critic. Now, the critic, regardless of what the state, local, or federal government says or does, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the experts, whatever, they criticize everything. For example, Berta, you should wear a mask when you go outside. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. Okay. Berta, never wear a mask when you go outside. What are you trying to do? Kill me? <laughs> <laughs> so no matter what comes out, they criticize it. So that's the critic. The third one is the bystander. And this is kind of where the fear comes in too. Now the bystander, mind you, it's a good person. Basically it's the deal with the headlights. So they're so overwhelmed by all these changes and all these things beyond their control. They don't know what to do. So they do nothing. They're frozen in fear, literally. Wow. They, they might look to their neighbors, look to the left, look to the right, but they don't take any action. And this is what all three of these personality types have in common. They don't offer a solution. They don't move forward. They, they can criticize, feel bad for themselves, or basically do nothing. 
well, we don't want to be those three. Then we get to the fourth one, which we like to call the navigator, which is the, the basis of this whole book. Mm-hmm. And the navigator begins, number one, with self-care. Learns how to take care of him or herself very well in order to help somebody else. So the first key to navigating crisis is self-care. The last one is kindness, mm-hmm. because in the end, we have to help other people. Those two are connected. And we'll talk about kindness in a minute. Mm-hmm. Then they're aware. They listen, even to the intuition or higher power. They listen to what's happening. They get quiet. And then they practice flexibility and adaptability. Because if people think they can continue doing things the same way they used to before COVID, even when they were successful doing those things and be successful now, they're sadly mistaken. This is a whole different world. So we have to be flexible and adaptable. And then they, you know, they prepare, they take initiative, and they have a positive attitude and so on. Now, all four of those personality types exist within each human being. It's not like somebody was born a navigator. It's not like that. Right. So in a personal example, when the COVID hit in March, in mid-March, and everything shut down, I had speaking engagements all over the place, all over the world. Guess what happened to them? Canceled, 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 canceled. Did I want to go to Barcelona? You're darn right I did. Did I feel like a victim? I'm like, why is this happening to me? I did the same thing. No, it's true. This is all true. And have I been critical of the government from time to time? You're darn right I have. And even the bystander looked initially, like when we lost everything, I didn't know what to do. But then we navigated. This is when the impression came and I navigated to writing a book. I had no plans to write a book in 2020, none. I was busy. I, you know, and so Coach Khan and I navigated and we began to actually not only write the seven keys to navigating crisis, but live them ourselves. Mm-hmm. So now back to self-care. You said something very important about the news. I have made a conscious decision starting in March. I haven't watched the news on television for six months because everything Berta is breaking news, yeah. done the noise, the right. images and the fear mongering mm-hmm. is not good for my heart. It's not good for my mind. It's not good for my mental health. However, I do read the news every day. I know exactly what's happening in the world. I'm informed. I'm not like an ostrich, like la, 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 la. Right, right. No, I'm informed, but I'm not going to inundate myself with all that stuff because that's not good for me. Yeah. So I I go to trusted sources that I used to go before the pandemic where I can just learn the news, not politics, not propaganda, Mm -hmm. not the left, not the right, just the news so I know what's happening in the world. But I refuse to get on uh, and, and listen to all that. Not 24-7, zero. Yeah, zero, right, right. Like and that's that. a self-care thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to go for a walk three days a week, uh, you know, th- three miles for an hour, basically, because I needed it. Like I said, I'm getting up there in years. I gotta, well, guess what? As my stress level rose all these months, I've now shifted to, to walking every single day, seven days a week, a mile a day, rain or shine or 100 degrees outside because and now i do it because i want to not because i have to which is mm-hmm. a big difference yes. it's a choice now yes i feel so much better i feel better now than i did six months ago even though the stress level to be, at least in my life even i'm sure everybody else is, is 10 times up or more right absolutely i can see that but but again there's that intentionality of doing what we know we need to do to take care of ourselves. And, and Dr. Ilya, one of the, I, I found it super, super interesting. One of the, in one of the chapters of the book where you're talking about this, this importance of, of self-care, you shared this concept of the NIMBY to IMBY, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which I really loved. Now, would you, would you mind elaborating on that a little bit, just because we're on this yeah. topic and I, I do want to talk about kindness, but, but I think just because oh, we're course. there right now. <laughs> Yeah, so the Nibi actually, and that comes from my first book, so just so mm-hmm. I give credit to the seven paths of lasting happiness. Mm-hmm. NIMBY is basically is an acronym, which means not in my best interest. For example, if I eat a gallon of ice cream at midnight, that's not in my best interest, <laughs> and I love ice cream. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and, and like you said, at the end of every chapter, you know, I have a couple of point for people to meditate on, to think about a couple of questions, and then what I like to call take action. And that was in the first book too. And that's what made it a number one bestseller. People gave me feedback. They're like, you know, Ilya, you didn't say anything that hasn't been said before about happiness. And I'm like, thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But we love at the end of every chapter, basically your book is a workbook. It's a workbook. You tell us exactly, I need to forgive myself. I don't know how. You take a step by step by step by step. So 
the nimitimbi came out of you know love yourself which was the first path but of course anytime we so this is the call to action to your listeners mm. what is not in your best interest right now in your life identify three things and pick one out of those three now as you know and i used to be a, a, you know expert in, in addictions so way way being the uh, in my first uh, half of uh, my career i, I mm. worked with a lot of addicts and my dissertation actually was on alcoholics anonymous i know addictions inside and out Anytime you remove an unhealthy behavior or thought pattern or any self-destructive behavior, basically, there's a void. You have to take that and do something with that void. Otherwise, you're going to re retreat back to your former ways of escaping. And that's where the IMBI comes from. The IMBI is I-M-B-I, in my best interest. Mm -hmm. So it, in other words, what I'm saying to your listeners, it's not enough to eliminate a negative behavior. You have to do something, you know, like me. I went from <clears throat> not walking at all to three days to seven days now. Mm -hmm. That's part of my envy. Right. Um, I've decided not to eat late at night because then I don't sleep very well. And then, it, you know, that's the NIMBY, right? The late night snack. Mm -hmm. it, it's not good for me. Right. When I was young and I was a swimmer, I could literally eat a half a gallon of ice cream. I remember when we first came to America and mm -hmm. I found the America proportions are huge compared to the rest of the world. <laughs> I used to eat like this half a gallon of actual chocolate ice cream wow. in a sitting. So like the whole thing. But I was a competitive swimmer. I used to swim 10,000 yards a day. Oh. I burned everything. I had zero fat. Yes. Okay. If I did that now, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, uh, and I, and I love that. I love that because I, I really, and that's one of the, the parts of the book that I was like, Hey, wait, because it's very easy to categorize when you get into the habit of it. And you talked a little bit about that habit is, is just look at it, look at it. And, and I, and I tell people, and, and I work on dreams and, and we're working on, on the big picture, but I always say when there's something that comes into your world, you know, is it going to get you closer to or farther away? Right. And depending on how intentional you are about really succeeding and reaching and achieving that dream. So this is the same thing. And, and I love that because it's very easy. Once you, once you, you program yourself to do that, it's sort of like, listen, is this really in my best interest or is it not in my best interest? And, and then you start tweaking. And one way that you can actually, and this has to be done in writing, not, not intellectually in our mind because mm -hmm. our minds can go off. I would ask whatever that habit is, let's say it's sugar, I don't care what it is, mm -hmm. or lack of exercise, whatever that is, say, so I want you to write this down. If I don't change my habit or habits, where will I be a year from now? Hmm. Just a couple of sentences. Project, where will I be five years from now? Where will I be 10 years from now? So that's, that's the first half of the exercise. Obviously, the situation gets worse. The more I engage in this, the older I get, the worse my the outcome is. Maybe 10 years, I'm going to have a heart attack or, you know, who knows? Now, the second half of the exercise is if I do make a change today in, from NIMBY to NIMBY, mm -hmm. where will I be a year from now? Where will I be five years from now? And where will I be 10 years from now? And I actually have people actually write the date. So if the date is, let's say, September 1st, 2020, September 1st, 2030. And that projection, that trajectory, obviously, if you continue to do something positive for yourself for a decade, you're going to be so much better than, you know, you are right now or even a year from now. Right. Third part of this exercise is you compare the, ten, the two 10 years side by side. Horrible and great. Because, because after a year, it, the difference may not, not be that great. After five years, it should be significant. After 10 years, it's night and day, right? Yes, yes. And then the final question is, what will you choose once you see this trajectory going this way it's so obvious and that helps people make that decision because they're saying i want to change my habit i'm going to stop doing this it's not that easy if you write it down and you actually see what your life will look like if you make the right choice or if you don't mm -hmm. and maintain the path that you're on right now it's so the it's so the gap is so huge that you cannot not change basically you're like i need to start doing it now and that's what i do with my clients mm -hmm. That's amazing. I, I love that exercise. And it really is. It's, it's right. In front. It's hard. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. That's my, that's the point of that. And that's why the last question at the end is, of course, is I don't tell people what to do. It's their own free agency to choose for themselves what they do. But once you have the 10 year projection, it's so different. The choice is easy. Wow. Very, very. I, I love that. Just love that. And so we talked a little bit about kindness 
Dr. Elia. Yes. Let's 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 go there because I think it's you know I always say it's not it's not so much that we have a hate problem it's that we have an absence of kindness problem. <laughs> and that's an easier fix because I think it's it's I think we're we're genetically predispositioned to be kind and that's why it feels good just not enough people are doing it. So, you know, happy people by nature tend to be kind because they have their batteries are full and they help other people. On the flip side, when we perform acts of service and acts of kindness to other people, it makes us feel good, just like you said, because it's innate. Mm -hmm. So I feel like kindness and happiness are like linked. You really can't have one without the other. I mean, I can do all the self-care and all that stuff in the world, but if I don't help somebody else, I'm not going to be totally fulfilled. I may be healthy, Mm -hmm. But I won't be like fully happy. I'm the happiest when I help other people. As a matter of fact, if I'm ever down in my own mood and I'm like the poor me, like the victim that we talked mm -hmm. about before, right? Mm -hmm. The quickest way to snap out of that is to go help somebody else. Yeah. And you I feel you'll feel better afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now, it, so during COVID, however, I've gotten a lot of pushback, by the way, about this kindness thing. Believe me, I've had people say, you know, yeah, that sounds great in theory, but I'm drowning myself right now. Are you serious? You want me to go out and help other people? I'm like so stressed. I've never been so stressed in my life, which I understand. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're like, what am I, my brother's keeper? And I'm like, no, you're not your brother's keeper. You're your mother's keeper and your sister's keeper and the neighbor's keeper and the homeless person and somebody <laughs> 10,000 miles away keeper mm -hmm. because we're all brothers and sisters on this earth and we're here to help one another to get through this because it's impacting everybody. Mm -hmm. So to me, and that's why I love being on your show, as the more we can share the message of happiness, wellness, and kindness, the better off. Yes. And I'm, I'm so grateful to you because it's a, it's a message that, and it's what you're saying. It's not anything like, like when the people said, it's not anything we haven't heard before, but listen, it's, it's, we're not, we're not out there saying it enough. Not enough people are focusing on that. And I'm like you, Dr. Elia, I always feel when, when there's a little low V going on, a little low vibration, look for an opportunity and there are a million opportunities to be able to serve in your community. You can Google volunteer opportunities and just go for two hours and it's going to change your world. And that is something that I know people get addicted to because it's releasing so many of the good juices into your brain and just making you feel good. And, and then it becomes a habit and you can't help but do more and more and more of it. You know, we talked about, um, and I know how, how important family is, and that's part of the whole happiness and being happy. But with my kids, when I was in, you know, volunteering and, and, and in, in a project coordinator role when I lived in Miami, and one of the projects, the earliest you could volunteer was eight years old. So my wow. kids would, for their eighth birthday, that's what they would get. Congratulations. Now you can start volunteering. And you know what? They grew up. I love it that being a normal part of their life and they just loved it and it was never a burden by the time they got to high school that they had to you know they make you volunteer 20 hours or something to graduate in four years and and it was just normal to them you know they're they're not thinking oh my goodness what a drag how am i going to find they're like you guys don't do this all the time you know <laughs> what's going on in my house but i but i think that it's just especially if we can instill those habits into our children and into our young ones where they feel that it's it's just it's just normal it's a normal part of of what we should be doing as life anyway you know what we did the same thing raising our our boys too and you know sometimes they would get them in the car we take them to the homeless shelter or to help feed the homeless you know we we, we do that probably on a monthly basis mm -hmm. a lot of times they were like you know classic kids or teenagers i'm busy i want to play computer games and all that stuff like on the drive there, we would hear in the back seat. Right, right, right. <laughs> on the drive home, however, you know what you hear from the back seat? That was really cool. I'd like to do that again. Exactly, exactly. And it's and it's just it's just getting there. I think it's just it's just when you do it that one time. And there are so many things standing in people like 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 what this gentleman said. You know, I'm drowning myself. I I can't even get my my head above water. How am I supposed to help someone else? And that's actually kind of feed them. And, and there are so many opportunities, especially now to just, and listen, it's, it's just, and, and you talked about it in the book. It's just about a smiles. It doesn't have to be anything major. It's just offering someone an encouraging word. And by the way, because think because of the social distancing or things being shut down to sometimes you can't physically go somewhere, mm -hmm. but you can always reach out. 
I make it a point to reach out to somebody that I have not reached out every single week. Mm. And just to check in, you know, family, extended family, elderly, people who are alone, people who don't have anything, anybody else living with them. About, I think this was back in April. I had a very, again, very strong prompting to uh, reach out to a friend of mine. I was in the US, she was in Athens, in Greece. Mm. So, you know, I FaceTimed her and I'm, I just said, I'm just thinking about you, how are you doing? She goes, it's very interesting that you, uh, that you called. And we hadn't talked for like in six months. She goes, you know what? I've got asthma and she has some underlying health issues. She goes, so I'm in an apartment by myself, not with my kids. She got it says, I haven't talked or seen anybody for nine days and I'm isolating for another 45 days. She said to me, have you ever, have you ever not seen or touched another human beings for 45 days? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't think that's ever, I don't even know what that would be like. Wow. So I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to you every week just to check you check in and see how you're doing. And she was so appreciative. And again, this was an, the prompting, right? If you get a prompting to reach out to somebody, whether it's your grandma or whether it's a neighbor or somebody halfway across the world, do it. What's the worst thing that could happen? They're like, Elia, why are you calling me? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but most of the times they're like, thanks for thinking of me. I'm actually doing okay. Or like in her case, I'm really lonely. And wow. I, it, you reaching out meant the world to me. I didn't know that obviously, but you know, somebody else did. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And it's, and it's just putting ourselves. And again, we go back to that, that intentionality of, of listen, what are we doing? How are we serving? And, and I think there's, like I said, I think it's, it's being brought to the forefront because we're not, unless people are stuck in that, how am I going to survive in one of those first three characters that you, that you described and they're living in that fear. And it's sort of like the, they go back to the me, me, me without realizing how much they can fill their own cup by being in the service of others. And I know that's part of your DNA, um, Dr. Elia. So I, I am so grateful for, for you, but I, I want to talk for just a minute because... Can I, can, Berta, can I add one more thing about the yes, three characters please, that you talked about? Please, Remember please. that I said that all, all four of these people, the critic, the, the bystander, the, you know, the victim, and the navigator, they all exist within each human being. Mm -hmm. Meaning the point of this is if you're going to be a victim, okay, be a victim for like an hour, not for six months. Mm -hmm. If you're going to criticize, and I said, I've criticized, but I don't want to be critical for like two weeks in a row and, and live in criticism because that robs me of my own personal happiness and wellness. Mm -hmm. So be that and then quickly pivot and navigate to taking action and being a navigator. And is the critic going to come back at some point or the victim or the vice? Maybe. We don't know. We're right. human. We're not perfect, right? Right, right. We, we just don't want to, I don't even want to build a tent, let alone a condominium complex right. and live in victimhood, <laughs> in, in yes. the victimhood, you know? <laughs> Very good. And thank you for adding that because it's true. They're, they're all within us. And I meant, you know, characteristics, but yes, absolutely. And, 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 and what's beautiful is that when we see that creep in, there's a way for us to, again, if we're aware, if we're intentional, there's a way for us to, to sort of, you know, push it back to, to where, or, or overcome it with the becoming the navigator and taking control right. and, and taking the wheel. So you just said that need to pivot. Okay. And there, there's so much talk about that need to pivot now. And you talk in the book about the need for flexibility. Yes. So important. Yes. So, so I want you to talk about flexibility, whatever you want to talk about, but I'm curious, Dr. Elia, what are you seeing out there in the corporate world? Any significant changes or any advice on what business owners or entrepreneurs should be paying special attention to right now as we pivot? So in the corporate world, so I'm glad you brought that up because like I said, initially we, Coach Khan and I wrote the book for individuals to help as many people as we could. Well, we got to about mid-June when companies were about to open up again. Mm -hmm. And so we have corporations now reaching out to us and, and, and help us. We don't know what to do with our employees. The number one organizational and corporate need right now is to ensure the physical and mental well-being of their employees. That's number one. Wow. And number two, it has to do with their productivity and effectiveness and employee engagement, which we knew. And then number three, of course, has to do with the, this whole working from home and how to be successfully work from home. Mm -hmm. Now, ensuring the mental and physical well-being of, of employees being number one, before the pandemic, that wouldn't even make the top 10, Yeah, right? That's amazing. And now everybody's talking about that and everybody needs, 
our help. I mean, for us, it's great, you know, in terms of business, because we're here to help mm. uh, companies as well. Um, flexibility and adaptability. <clears throat> we like to use the analogy of the oak tree and the palm tree. And you being from uh, Miami, Daniel, you'll appreciate yes, this. Yes. So the oak tree, as you know, is this massive, sturdy, strong. It can be there for 100 years, powerful, tall tree. But if you get enough rain, enough moisture in the ground, and enough wind, like in a hurricane, what happens to oak trees? They come crashing down mm -hmm. on cars, people, houses, right? This is what happens to oak yeah. trees. Yeah. The palm tree, on the other hand, which is quite thin compared to an oak tree, bends at the top of the peak of the storm. It can bend almost all the way, almost parallel to the ground. But when the storm passes, and this is symbolic of the storms of life, it rises up again. So we're asking everybody to be palm trees, not be oak trees. If you think, well, I'm tough. This is the way I've done things my whole life. I'm not changing. You know, I'm not adapting. This is how I'm going to be. You're going to crack. And if you think about elite athletes, I don't care what the game is, football, baseball, basketball, whatever. What do they do before the game starts? When they go out in the field for a half an hour before the game, what are they doing before the game starts? They're stretching, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because if you don't stretch, if you're not flexible, you pull a hamstring. Or if you're a tree, you fall down. So that's what we need to do because the stress levels are the highest they have ever been in, in our lifetime. You probably have to go back to the Second World War, which, you know, there are a few, some people are Andre, but most of us were not around in the Second World War in, to even remembering that. Mm -hmm. We've never experienced this kind of stress across the entire globe. Remember, four crises that we were dealing with. Plus, what I didn't mention before is there are also individual crises that preceded the, the pandemic. People were still going through divorces or breaking up with loved ones, or maybe had a kid that was sick, or maybe they're, they're taking care of an elderly parent who's got Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Those stressors existed already. Now you add the other four on top. That's why we're so overwhelmed. Right, right. And that's, and that's absolutely true. And I think that that's, and I'm seeing it, Dr. Ely, I think a lot of times we see those people that tend to be adaptable and they're adaptable maybe maybe with a little more apprehension now because there's so much uncertainty around us but i listen i and i and i say it from the beginning and i've spoken to to many more people and met many more new people during these last 6 months than i had met probably in the last year and and what i love is that i'm seeing there's not a lot of gray area here there are people on nope. this side of the spectrum like I don't want to leave my house. And are you kidding? Are you traveling seriously? And, and then there are the other people that are saying, you know, this has been the most productive time. My business has grown. You know, I've had time with my family, more time than I've, than I've spent in a long time with my children, looking at it very optimistically. And I think that comes from number one, the ability to be flexible and adaptable. And, and, and I think we talked about this when we spoke that you know the we're looking for that silver lining if you're looking hard enough you're going to find the silver lining in everything and 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 another question that a lot of people may have dr ely and i'm curious about this because i'm an eternal optimist and i will find the good and everything i'm always focusing on the good what is the difference between optimism and happiness and i'm sure they play well, yeah it, and i think that's a great question i think optimism is part of happiness like happiness is the, you know, the, the bigger, you know, more strategic, big picture state of being. But optimists, obviously, I mean, that's an obvious thing, tend to be happier because they look at the brighter side of things. But you mentioned, Bertie, that this is a choice, that you choose to look at that. There is a silver lining in everything. If you, Sometimes it's not obvious right up front when you have a setback in your life. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for me, you know, all my when everything got canceled and work got canceled, all that stuff, at first I couldn't see the silver lining. I'm like, I was the victim. Why is this happening, right? And, and the bystander, I, I was that. But when I pivoted and wrote the book, and I have more opportunities now than I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I and that wouldn't have happened if I decided, if I hadn't decided to navigate and try something new, which, by the way, was outside of my comfort zone. Who writes a book in 45 days? <laughs> Certainly not me. <laughs> it takes like years to write a That's book. That's amazing. So That's amazing. how that happened, I can't explain how it happened. Mm -hmm. The response to the book, it, it, although very positive, it's still kind of overwhelming, you know, that people like, mm -hmm. they love it because it's easy to read and easier to apply. And, Absolutely. you know, nobody wants to read like a novel about how to deal with the pandemic and crisis. Mm -hmm. Tell us what to do, basically. And exactly. there, there, there it is. Exactly. So, 
beautiful. I love that. I love that. By, so by that, the way, yes. Can I, one more thing about pessimism please, and please. optimism. Mm -hmm. So pessimists have the approach of, well, this is never going to happen. I can't do this. I will never afford that. That's kind of like the the inner dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to switch from being a pessimist to an optimist, you have to switch the questions or the statements you make in our, in, in your brain, in essence. For example, take these three questions and say, how can I achieve this? How could I afford that? How can I make this happen? Because the, those three questions lead to a positive answer. They, they open up the doors to possibilities and to solutions. So we have to consciously change the, the questions we ask in our brain. If I keep asking myself, man, what's wrong with my life? I'm going to get a printout this long. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, but if I say what's right with my life, see, that even sounds wrong. That I, We don't say that. What's right with your life? Who says that? But think about it. What's good about my life? And that's where gratitude starts Absolutely. off, which, of course, with gratitude comes happiness because there's no way you can be grateful and unhappy at the same time. No way. Hmm. Yes. I love that you mentioned that, that reframing. And I think it's a it's a it's an exercise in of itself or or yes. or or maybe even a book that reframing the questions that we're asking of ourselves and what's interesting dr ely is that a lot of times and i and i coach coaches so a lot of times the coaches are great at asking those powerful questions of their clients because it's it's what we do but but they're not asking it of themselves and i'm i'm including myself and i'm including right. the general public everybody who's not we're just not we're not maybe ch we're taking it for granted. Uh, sometimes we, we, our own skills, we don't use them to our own benefit. And, and I think that you're right. I, I'm just, my brain went right now with, with that just reframing of the questions that we're asking ourselves. So important, so important. And you'll have a different outcome as a result. Now, if your brain is not used to hearing those positive leading questions, it might take a little while to do some research. You know, it's the data. It has to go back to right. the data, right? To, right? to find out, hang in there. The answers will come. It's very helpful to do this in writing. Mm -hmm. Like we reframe the question in writing and allow some space. Again, awareness, mindfulness, meditation. Think about it. Ponder about it. And these, these answers will come. I can't explain how they come. I just trust it. That they do come exactly. because they've come to me my entire life like that so i trust it right right and especially i think the power of writing things down and you've mentioned that a couple of times today um that power of i can't stress enough the 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 intensity of that of that power of writing things down so yeah because i might get distracted like i'm i have a little add like i if, if i get bored easily like if, I, if i'm not stimulated i i need like like I love our conversation because it goes back and forth and right. it's energetic and passionate and insightful and so on. Mm -hmm. This is great. Um, and I thrive on that. So if, if I read something and I'm kind of bored, like I can't finish books, That's you know, right. how many books I have, I, just, I have a real hard time. <laughs> I believe, but I, but I, but I know, and that's, and listen, that's the other, the other thing that I, that I really loved about the books. You don't have to get super fluffy and elaborate. No. Listen, I just want to know what it is. And I remember we, we talked about this and, and, and I read the book and it was, and it was right away. So I knew that even my non-reader, because I'm, I'm always, you know, promoting the importance of reading and, and I'm an avid reader and I, I'm way over my, my goal for this year already. And we're still in, in August, but I know that even the non-readers, I, I, I gave them the book because I know that they're going to read it in a couple of hours and they're not going to be able to put it down because it's, it's, it's as relevant as it is timeless because this is something that you can apply to your life. And we all have, like you said, our own, our own personal crises going on. And, and this book is that practical, very Thank relevant you. now. Yeah. And you know what? I, I well, actually both of them, not just this book, but I wrote both of the books, not as a PhD, say psychology, I wrote it from my heart. Right. Like if you have an 18 year old daughter or son, mm -hmm. they can get as much out of it. Or if you're 75 years old, you can open right. up any page, you'll find a little gem. Right. Absolutely. To help you practical, applicable now, mm -hmm. not I theories. It. I mean, theories are, anybody can write theory. I mean, mm -hmm. I just want people to get better and yes. be happier. That's it. Yes. You know? Yes. And let's, and let's do it. I, I love that. I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and I'm promoting it and, and sending it out because I know that, that we need it. And I know that if we can make that shift in mindset now with everything that's going on, it's going to last. And chances are 
it'll be a, a, an important reset. Because I think a lot of people now have looked at this time as, you know, there was so much I wasn't paying attention to that was important. Now I either have the pause right. or the time or to pay attention to it. And, and, and if they're doing it from a place of let's make this happen, it, it can be a really good time. So Dr. Elia, what makes you happy? Uh, what makes me happy is love, relationships. I think that's connection to people. And by the way, speaking of relationships, there's no way we can be totally happy and be surrounded by negativity and toxicity. Like, I don't have toxic people in my life anymore. I used to when I was younger and I made a conscious decision. I'm like, look, I treat, I treat you with love, kindness, and respect. I expect the same in return. And if you can't give that, you're going to get a couple of chances. And then you're, you're out. Like a, in, this, in soccer, they give you a red card. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, because even as much, I can do my self-care, I can do the credit, I can do all that stuff. If I'm surrounded by negativity and toxicity and people that don't have my best interests in mind or undermine me in some ways, then that's very hard to be happy long-term. So I think relationships are very, very important. Mm -hmm. And we have a right to be treated with love, kindness, and respect. But we have to show up that way first. Like, you can't you can be mistreating people and expect everybody to be nice to you. That doesn't work that way. We have to show up first that way and then say, you know what, do I not do that for you? I expect you to treat me the same way. And if you can't, then uh, we're not going to be seeing each other very long. I love it. I, yeah. And I love that you touched on that. And I, and I, and I realize, Dr. Elia, that there are, there are certain people that we miss, you know, that we, that we used to probably see all the time. And there are certain, and there are certain people that we don't miss because it's like, right. <laughs> you know, they were always. So, so I tell people, pay attention to that. So I love that you mentioned that, Dr. Ely, because I think it, it really is. And, and I was listening to a lot of, I was just traveling and, and a long road trip. I think I drove uh, 30 hours in, in three days. And, wow. and I was listening, so I listened to a lot of audiobooks and I was listening to Jim Rohn and I, and I love how he always says, you know, you're the average of five people you spend most of your time with. So choose uh, Yeah, I love that. He says that a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. he says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, but, I, yeah. but he's right, though, about that. It's 100%. true. 100%. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So Dr. Elia, how can our audience find you? And I'm going to share your call letters, but what's, what's the uh, best way for you? Probably LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn has become now the, the place to be. Uh, yeah. I think that would probably be the best way or uh, my website, thehappinesscenter.com. And uh, my speaker website is uh, drgregoris.com. Dr. Elia, that, that would be a good one too. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I am and and yeah, we're here to help. Basically, if if you need on an individual basis, your organization, you know, I'm doing now webinars because obviously everything is remote. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the old days, you, man, if you got a hundred people showing up registering, you think, oh man, this is a big time. I did one for Bank of America over a thousand people. That's amazing. And and they actually send out a video. It's it's going to all two hundred thousand of their employees yeah. across the country amazing yeah beautiful. so these are the opportunities i guess what i'm saying is people are starving for hope and for, for a positive outlook um they're overwhelmed and they're stressed out and since we're all in this together i need your help berta and you've been great at helping me already mm -hmm. that's this past week you know i gotta i gotta sing some praises to you in your way <laughs> everything you promised me last week when you and i spoke you've delivered mm -hmm. you're a woman of your word I highly respect that. And I hope that I can bring some joy and happiness to your folks and to your life. And, and thank you for all the introductions you made because, uh, you know, a lot of people talk and then you get off the phone and then, you know, like they forget about it. You didn't. And I, I remember that. So thank you. And, and listen, I've received a lot of, a lot of thank yous from, from the people that I've connected you. I know, and I, and I love creating that synergy. Um, because I know, listen, you're going to make me look good, Dr. Elia. <laughs> They're going to be like, what? You know, Dr. Elia? I just upped my cool factor here. <laughs> I'm going to make you look good. I promise you that. <laughs> no, I, I just, I just love that. And I, and I love having the opportunity to share, especially because I know that you're bringing a message for no other reason than to be of service that everybody needs to hear. So I, number one, I'm so grateful that, that, we connected and and that you've been so gracious with your time and that you came on today to be a blessing to our audience with with such a like i said a, a relevant but timeless message that we all need to be paying more attention to 
So Dr. Ely, I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, one last thing and one last question before we go. What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Ooh, you know what? I will go back to an advice that I received when I was five years old mm. from my grandpa, whose name I carry and I honor. And, and he died soon after that. So I don't remember much from him, but I remember this one thing. And, you know, I'm a five-year-old little boy, right? Right. One time, you know, he was wearing his hat. I remember he was sitting there in the rocking chair. He says, listen, uh, grandson, this was in Greek, by the way. He mm -hmm. said, if you want to be happy in life, do something for somebody else every single day and you will live a great life. <gasps> now, now that's a very simple message, right? A five-year-old little brain, though, for whatever reason, it made sense to me. And wow. that, has de that has defined my life for half a century now. I mean, my, wow. what he said, you know, do something for somebody else every day and you'll be happy the rest of your life. You, you, not, not happy, he said, you're going to live a good life for the rest of your life. Wow. That's Simple amazing. message, but I've taken that to heart. I try to live my life that way. It, it's, it, and doing something for somebody else could be a compliment. Mm -hmm. You look great. Absolutely. Uh, you know. I mean, it doesn't cost anything, really. Yeah. What does it cost? Nothing. Just be mindful of other people. And if you see something, say something. Exactly. Compliment them. Ask exactly. them how they're doing. Ask them how they're really doing. Exactly. Not superficial stuff, but how are you really doing during this crisis? Right. Be, be vulnerable and say, you know what? I'm kind of struggling. I'm, I mean, this is pretty stressful, actually. Open up. Keep an open heart. And when you open up, you give others permission in some ways, really, for them to open up back to you, right? So... Mm -hmm. You and I have a very similar philosophies, and I, I love talking to you. And mm -hmm. we're Thank very you. much aligned in our philosophies about humanity in general. Yes. So I, it's been my honor to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Elia. And thank you for, for sharing that message. What a, what a beautiful seed to plant from your granddad. And I'm sure he's smiling down and, and proud as can be that you have taken that and, and really created a, a life for yourself where you have been a stand for so many people. And, and, and listen, also another side note is that importance of us planting those those seeds in in our children and in our grandchildren so that they we never know what they're going to do with that seed because look at what you've done with it you took it to heart so i i am grateful for you my friend uh thank you again for being here okay folks you heard it here i'll put all the call letters so you can reach out to dr elia i promise you um you want to connect with him he's just the, the givingest human being I've met in a long time and I am grateful so go out there and do good be great and go play outside folks have a good one